Hey friends, John White here with stories from the relational revolution. I'm sort of inserting that adjective in there. This is uh, episode 101 and uh, recommendations for traditional churches transitioning to becoming a training center, part two. So episode 100 was part one. So what I'm suggesting is that one part of the relational revolution is going to be traditional churches and traditional church leaders being motivated to transition from something to something. Uh, What are they transitioning from and what are they transitioning to? And again, I don't think this is happening a lot at this point, but I think there's the potential for this because uh, traditional churches more and more are shutting down, coming to an end. People are leaving and uh, pastors and leaders are reevaluating what they're doing. So this may be the next step for them. This may sound strange, but what I'm suggesting is that they can transition away from seeing themselves and their church as a church and rather becoming a community of churches and a training center. In previous episodes, I unpacked the biblical perspective on this. Uh, Did a lot of work in Ephesians. Encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. So these suggestions, recommendations are not in any particular order. Um, And I think most of them are relevant for anyone seeking to bring change. Could be change in your family, in your church, your organization. In, In my previous episode, I think I came up with six um, the Lord keeps bringing these to mind, and I'm, I'm going to add uh, a bunch more. I think I've got 11 today to add to those previous six. So let's jump in here. If you're going to transition, here are my recommendations. Uh, number one for today, embrace Kaizen. <laughs> what, what in the world is that? The word Kaizen, let me spell it for you, K-A-I-Z-E-N. This is actually a Japanese word for small steps of continuous improvement. Um, It means going up a hill so slowly that it doesn't feel hard at all. Why in the world am I throwing a Japanese word in here? I think it really expresses some biblical concepts. Um, Also expresses how our mind works best. If I came to you and said, hey, I think you should train for running the marathon, 26.2 miles. Now, you might initially jump into that, but after a couple of days, you might say, oh, this is way too hard. I'm not going to do this. But I said, let's start with taking a walk around the block today. And then tomorrow, maybe we'll go a second block. Small steps. Our brain seems to embrace things like that much easier. And so as you're thinking about bringing change in your church, both for yourself and for other people, Don't try to change everything all at once. Become a change agent. That is somebody that that really studies change and how it takes place. Don't win the battle, but lose the war. Frankly, early on in my, as a pastor, I was a zealous young guy coming out of seminary and I wanted to change everything like yesterday. And I learned that that didn't go so well. A couple of passages that I think illustrate this idea of Kaizen, small steps. In Luke 19, um, the master returns and says, because you were faithful in a very small thing, take charge of 10 cities. Matthew 25, similar parable of the talents. 
because you are faithful in a few things, I will put you in charge of many. So Jesus is looking for people who are willing and ready to be faithful with the few and the small. And he says, if we do that, if we are faithful there, God will give us the large and the many. And that's exactly how I started Luke 10 16 years ago. We, we didn't know anything. <laughs> we just had a couple of questions. And every morning I'd wake up and, and listen for what is the small assignment God wants to give me today? And little by little, that developed into what Luke 10 is today. So that's my first suggestion. Embrace Kaizen. Number two, and this is going to be a little more controversial. Consider becoming a subversive. Um, you, let, me, let me read to you a couple of things from, um, from one of my favorite authors, Eugene Peterson. Eugene um, is the guy who wrote the message version of the Bible, wrote a bunch of other books. One of his books is called The Contemplative Pastor. And in there, he has a chapter called The Subversive Pastor. I really kind of like this, but let, let me read you what Eugene was saying about this idea of being a subversive. A subversive, subversive is literally someone who is seeking to overthrow the existing order. And isn't that kind of what you're feeling like, that the existing order of church needs to be changed? The word subversive literally means to turn from beneath. This is person is sort of a revolutionary, but in a quiet way. So here's a couple of things that Eugene said. Again, he's, he's the pastor of a church at this point, a Bel Air Presbyterian church. Actually, it's in Bel Air, Maryland. The church is called Christ our King Presbyterian. And he says, um, I must remember that I'm a subversive. My long-term effectiveness depends on my not being recognized for who I really am. If the people in my church recognize that I actually believe the American way of life is doomed to destruction and that another kingdom is right now being formed in secret to take its place, those people in the pews wouldn't be pleased at all. If he knew that I was really doing, if he, if he knew what I was really doing and the difference it was making, he would fire me. Well, goes on. Um, uh, if I'm not willing to help them become what they want to be, what am I doing taking their pay? I'm being, I'm being subversive. I'm undermining the kingdom of self and establishing the kingdom of God. I'm helping them to become what God wants them to be using methods of sub, subversion. But isn't that dishonest? Not really. For I am not misrepresenting myself. I am simply taking my words and acts at a level of seriousness that would throw them into a state of canatonic, catatonic disbelief if they really knew. And then one more. Jesus was a master of subversion. Until the very end, everyone, including his disciples, called him rabbi. Rabbis were important, but they didn't make anything happen. On the occasions when suspicions were aroused that there might be more to him than the title accounted for, Jesus tried to keep it quiet. Tell no one, he would say. So ask the Lord about that. Is that something that you want to consider becoming a subversive? Number three, 
Begin with the end in mind. Uh, always like Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This is one of them. Begin with the end in mind. What is the end? Well, I'm suggesting it's a simple little phrase of every home a church. So when I talk to pastors who are interested in this kind of thing, I will say to them, so, so how many households do you have in your church? If you just counted everybody, the you know, two parents and three kids, that's a household. Maybe a single parent with some kids, maybe a bunch of college students. Let's call all of those households. How many do you have in your church? Can you visualize that? Maybe they've got a church of 200 people. And maybe in that church of 200 people, there are, let's say, 50 households. And I will say to that church leader, what if from this point on, you began to visualize just in your own mind that those 50 households are actually 50 churches? Now, see these 50 churches on a continuum. On one end, you have churches, households that have no idea how to function like a church. And on the other end, you have some that maybe have some idea of what that's like. And so what you are in the process, again, pastor, church leader, maybe an elder board, is beginning to ask Jesus how you can help all of your house, all of your households to move towards becoming that. And that's where Sunday morning comes into play. What if that could become a little at a time, remember Kaizen, a little at a time Sunday morning could be part of the training center. Remember the diffusion of innovation that I talked about in the last episode. They're not all going to change at once, but if, what if you could find the people who are the early adopters and you begin to work with them, help them with their homes um, beginning to function as churches? And of course, you are the number one. It needs to happen in your home first. We say it can't happen through you until it happens to you. Number four. Ask Jesus repeatedly. I mean, he's the one who's really leading the charge here. So the question is always, what is it that you want me or us to know this week about these households? How do I pray for them? How do we equip them this week? One little thing at a time. Run experiments. Don't try to change everything all at once, but keep, uh, every, keep everything the same, but invite a few people into an experiment. These are, again, maybe the early adopters. Um, start small. When you frame something as an experiment, you're not saying, okay, I want you to be committed to this for the rest of your life, but you're saying maybe maybe for the next six weeks, would you be willing to try an experiment and go through Church 101 with me? Church 101 is a great way to start the experiment. At the end of six weeks, we'll reevaluate and see where we go from there. Run experiments. Number six, and again, these are not probably in the right order. I'm just laying them out for you. Number six, go through Church 101 yourself, and then you can invite others when they are ready. This is a key part, a key experiment. Church 101 is an incredible tool. It's very simple, but it teaches the basic rhythms of attention, and it teaches the idea of a CO2, Church of Two, which are things that you're going to need if the households in your larger church, larger congregation, are beginning to be transformed into churches. Um, these are the basic building blocks of every larger expression of church. Number seven, model it. Luke 640, Jesus says a student when he's fully taught would be like his master. So you need to begin to function like a vibrant family of Jesus in your home. Jesus, how do I do that this week? What are the small steps 
that you want me to take. And again, going through Church 101 with you, maybe you and your spouse, is a great uh, place to begin to do that. And then to practice, maybe around the dinner table at night with your children, checking in, listening to Jesus. Number eight, consult with Luke 10. Um, with your church leaders, organizational leaders. We've been doing this for a long time, and we can help you. Uh, we can help you assess where your church is, what are your next steps. You don't have to do this alone. Uh, we are willing and ready, excited about consulting with you on sort of an organizational level. Number nine, join a leader team. You've been through Church 101. You are going to need ongoing training and support. This is a whole different skill set from what you maybe learned in seminary. And so being with a group of people um, who are on that same journey would be really important. Number 10, <clears throat> sign up for facilitator training. That's the next step after leader team. You need to hear other stories. You need to be trained like this. Facilitator training is the best training I've ever seen. Um, listen to my interviews in the last maybe episodes 90 on up to the present, I've interviewed a bunch of uh, people that have been through facilitator training. Listen to those stories, see what they have to tell. <clears throat> and number 11 is the last one. Tell stories. Um, you've heard me talk about Ivan Ilyich before, socialist educator. His disciples come to him and say, so Ivan, how do we change culture? How do we change societies by violent overthrow, like the communist revolution, or by gradual evolution? And he thinks about that for a while, and he says, <clears throat> you change culture by telling an alternate story. That's really what Luke 10 is about. We're about telling an alternate story about what church could be, because we think it really is consistent with Scripture, with New Testament church. So what that means is become a story collector. Start out with stories in your own home. Do you have stories that you can tell about what is it like being a church in your home? How are you going about that? What are you learning? What are stories about that? What's it like checking in with your family around the meal? What are you learning from that? And then collect other people's stories. Look for every small step that people are taking. Um, what are they learning? What What's going to be important about that? Uh, where's a, a household that maybe has invited a neighbor over or who is the Lord has led them uh, to, to take care of a widow lady down the street. Um, maybe they're having a Bible study. And that's really what I'm doing with my podcast. Again, this is like 101. I would encourage you to make your own list of the best stories. Um, and you can use some of mine if you want to. I have sort of, you know, best stories. Like uh, episode number four with Colleen Kasky is one of my favorites. How going through Church 101 changed Colleen and her husband, and then she took that into InterVarsity. She trained her staff how to check in, listen to Jesus. They are now training college students. It's an amazing story. Happened four years ago. It's just continuing. Um, you're going to see the story of Jason and the hides over in Israel, Tony Carey in Ireland, Bethany, Hala. Um, these are all people that have been through Church 101, leader team, facilitator training. How are they putting in that into practice? Find the stories that you love the best and then share those with other people. And finally, this idea of being a storyteller may be what the Sunday morning church service becomes. Can you imagine if you had 50 
households that are becoming churches or 20 or 100, whatever the case might be. And that one of the things you did on Sunday morning was have testimonies where somebody could stand up and share just briefly, here's what it looks like in my family. Here's what it's like when my seven-year-old checks in. Here's what we're learning about listening to Jesus. Here's how the Lord is leading us to to reach out to our neighbor, our neighborhood. Um, I was just reading John chapter one, where um, the message version, so beautiful, uh, it says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, which is originally says, you know, dwelt among us. That's a beautiful picture. This is what these churches meeting in homes are really all about. It's the kingdom of God moving into your neighborhood. Okay, <clears throat> that's the last one I've got so far. So we've got 11 plus six in the previous episode. Um, let me know how these are working out in your church. If you're putting some of these into practice, let me know. I would love to hear. What are you learning? Let's share with one another. Uh, maybe interview you for one of my podcasts. Luke 10 is a storytelling community. Well, again, I think we live in an exciting time. I think the relational revolution is underway. It's going to take place in lots of sort of independent house churches. And we say they're they're autonomous, but they're connected relationally. But then also with current churches, I think God's going to be transforming some of those. And uh, maybe that's going to be true for you. So anyway, great to be on the journey with you guys. More to come.